0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainer writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, November 17th, 2021. Today, on November 17th, Hitmonkey, the Marvel television animated series for Hulu, just dropped. It's ten episodes, and I think uh, you and I were both moaning about the fact, Aaron, that we haven't had a chance to watch this yet, right?
1: Yeah, I've been uh, busy in studio working, laboring over hot, fresh cakes of audio, mm-hmm. and uh had, had totally passed me by that there is a Hit Monkey to help relieve my daily stresses. So uh, once we get done with this,
0: I will then go make a venture to Hulu Land and mm-hmm. watch some Hit Monkey. Yeah, it's. Ten episodes, all ten episodes dropping today. Sorry, folks, we try to do our homework, but of course, I do have an excuse. Nancy and I just got back from Orlando. Uh, we wrapped up our our Disney Dish Live event on Monday at, at Everglazed, uh, which where they serve donuts as big as your head. I thought that was a marijuana dispensary in Colorado.
1: Everglazed. <laughs> What? it sounds really? like a, it sounds like you just got you know did a wake and bake and i'm ever glazed okay. Uh, okay it's donuts i i totally misread that in the
0: notes here it's, i was thinking the wrong trip okay that shared one donut with sharon it was a maple bacon i basically talked myself into well it's got bacon on it it's breakfast mm-hmm. by the way erin lots and lots and lots of folks at the event were asking about you uh they they wanted to know how how it is that that you managed to do as much work as you do for these podcasts in addition to just traveling you know the country taking in as many events as you do and i didn't share your secret so well, I will. I will flat out tell you that Indianapolis has
1: this wonderful uh, vehicle program downtown. When you go downtown, mm-hmm. they have what are called the the green scooters, and they're just little electrified scooters on a battery. You stick in your your debt card, mm-hmm. and you can just ride it around town and, and drop it off wherever wherever you get done. You just leave it there, and someone else will use it. And uh, I, I just took one. I've been using it to go to Oklahoma. I mean, it's really, really slow on the highway, and you do have to charge it every once in a while. But no gas bill, so, you know. Well, okay,
0: (laughs) now you know, folks, now you know how he pulls it off.
1: If you see a long-haired dude running
0: down the highway on a little uh, electric scooter, uh, honk and wave, that's me. Well, speaking of folks with long hair, on behalf of Mr. Testa, I want to thank all the folks who came out for this past weekend's event. Thanks also to Tammy Whiting and her talented team of Sturbook Destinations. Four days of activity, multiple locations, several great meals— all of it came off without a hitch and uh, we, we even had amazing weather. It only rained a little bit on Saturday, a barely disrupted the scavenger hunt, which also everyone seemed to like, but... While Nate and I were out of town, lots and lots and lots of Marvel news happened. And speaking of news, the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, a trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. As we get started here, it's worth noting that Marvel's Eternals was number one at the box office this past weekend. That's the second weekend that this Chloe Zhao film was in release, pulled in $27.5 million in ticket sales domestically, beat out Clifford the Big Red Dog, which actually turned out to be a fairly strong contender, which was kind of surprising given that this is a film that was really aimed at very small children. Well, I mean, if if it's aimed at the very small children,
1: you're guaranteed to sell at least two tickets, one for a parent, at at the very least, or guardian, Mm -hmm. and then the kid themselves. So whereas the Eternals, a single person could go see that, because if they're a teenager, if they're an adult, Mm -hmm. but uh, if you're talking kids, well, that could be mom, dad, and the kid, that's three tickets, and if you got siblings, that's a a four-pack of tickets Mm -hmm. right there, so... You can have almost the same level of interest and end up selling more tickets simply because the, the two youngins require mom and dad along with them to get them into the darn theater. Interesting point.
0: Okay. Well, The Eternals has earned $119 million at the domestic boss office to date, an additional $162 million overseas. World ticket sales, uh, 218 million. On the other hand, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings did slightly better. The ticket sales was during its second week in a release. It, it did 34 million versus the 27.5 million we we're just talking about for Eternals. Um, Aaron, you finally got to see Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. You, you did the Disney Plus thing, right? Absolutely, the day that came out, I watched
1: that immediately. I even uh, had my TV converted into 3D for that. I added extra little effect to make it more theater-like for me, and it was a really super enjoyable experience. I loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, it seemed very you know House of Flying Daggers type of of a movie where the. They fly a little bit when they leap in the air, right? They've mm-hmm. got that old school wirework uh, type vibe to the martial arts. But one thing I thought was super impressive was the fact that they were able to convey the two different types of fighting styles. There was Wen Wu's style, which was Tiger Claw, very, very aggressive. And then there was Mom's style, which was much more like a ballet and much more poetic in its movement. And when Shang-Chi fights his father, he starts off with the violent, aggressive, you know, tiger claw style like dad has. But when he ends up switching to mom style and they use the same motion where he makes the circle with his foot around him in the dirt and then he grabs dad by the shoulder and the wrist and he kind of swings him around in a circle. But they use the same camera movements and the same shots from when they do the, the fight between mom and dad to when Shang-Chi and Dad do that fight, to convey that Shang-Chi has now moved on from one style of fighting to another, and this is why he's winning in this moment. And for someone like me, who is very ignorant of martial arts as a whole, uh, to be able to pick out those differences between those two fighting styles just gives extra credit to the choreographers to really, really nail home that central point Of that fight, and and again, Shang Chi flying on the back of a dragon. Never thought that I would see that in a million years, but that actual Chinese dragon look to Mm -hmm. come busting out of the water just floored me. Like, oh, was not expecting this moment to happen. So glad I am able to see it now. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed Shang Chi on a level that I have not enjoyed a lot of Marvel movies in the past. Some, you know, where the bar has been set really, really high nowadays. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you get just a, a really good movie or, or just a good movie. But this was just, uh, I think, an
0: exceptionally good movie. Very, very great. I'm oh, glad to hear that. And more to the point, just listening to your talk makes me think I got to go back and watch that again. Yeah. However, uh, worth also noting here that overseas at this point in uh, its it run, Shang-Chi seriously lagged behind the Eternals. It had only made $113 million versus the $162 million that The Eternals has made at this point. But that, that was largely because China refused to let this Destin Daniel Crichton film be shown in that country. And Aaron, I don't know if you saw the news that broke just yesterday about one of the reasons Shang-Chi has yet to be screened in, in that hugely important uh, for, for Hollywood market. And it would seem that it, during this movie's initial action scene, the the battle on the bus, we briefly get to see the bus driver's tag number, which is 8964. Chinese social media is suggesting that this is a reference to the Tiananmen Square massacre, which happened on June 4th, 1989, uh, and that the numbers that were used for the bus driver's tag number were deliberately selected to reference. This now basically erased by the Chinese government event, uh, 89 referring to the year the massacre happened, six the month, and four the date. And as I understand it, Disney's really not thrilled that this happened. Uh, Production designers at Marvel Studios are insisting just an innocent mistake. The numbers for the bus driver's tag weren't deliberately chosen to reference anything. They were just, Numbers, and so. by the way, the, that we write a date, it should be eight nine sixty four, which was actually a
1: day. If you look it up mm-hmm. uh, right now, on that date in history, mm-hmm. Stan Lee spilled a cup of coffee on some of Jack Kirby's pencil drawings, <laughs> and there was a little fight that broke out between them. That's the worst thing that happened on that date. So, China, you can just calm down
0: now. Simmer down now. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, well thank you thank you for, for clearing that up uh speaking of the bus battle though there's a san francisco uh mta bus driver uh McAllen. he identifies them if you you want to follow him on twitter he's at that underscore mc he decided to take the battle on the bus that action scene and go frame by frame through it and then see how it stacked up to the way that the buses actually do run in and around San Francisco. And he put together one epic 50-tweet thread that's really kind of entertaining to read, talking about, oh, well, the bus driver, you know, he wouldn't turn his head. You know, the mirrors are your friends on the bus. Or, oh, (laughs) he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And, you know, he won't get workman's comp for that. And it's well worth looking at. So Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings became available for viewing just this past Friday, November 12th, Disney Plus Day, which we'll get to in a minute, and it'll be joined by Hawkeye one week from today on Wednesday, November 24th. On that day, two episodes of Hawkeye will be available for viewing. And I don't know if you've seen what's been bubbling up on, on Twitter uh, about Vincent deforio uh, the, the General Blade DeNofrio. King. De, yep. Uh, he played Kingpin in the the Netflix Daredevil series. Evidently, there's a lot of talk about him showing up on Hawkeye, uh, reprising the uh, Wilton Fisk. Is that a, a Kingpin? Am I getting the name right? Or yeah, Wilson Fisk. Wilson Fisk. Wilson yeah. Fisk. Um, and what's interesting is, is Vincent himself is fueling the speculation with what he's tweeting. You know, so he he's actually been talking up the show like this is going to be fun. I love these Marvel series. So. Well, that means that he's just not in it
1: so far. You know, it's always if you're in a Marvel movie, you deny, deny, deny. And then Uh when it comes out, you're allowed to talk about it. If you're talking about it like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be doing this with Marvel. uh, That's just someone trying to get into a Marvel movie by by talking openly about being in a Marvel movie. I would love to see Wilson Fisk come back. Vincent D'Onofrio is so stinking great as mm-hmm. the kingpin. And yes, to a thousand times yes, put him in all of the Marvel movies. He could be the next big bad lurking in the shadows, manipulating mm-hmm. everything in the background. And I would so be on board for that. He is currently underused. So yes, put him to work.
0: When you get to a certain level or a certain age, I think about Alfred Molina. You know, do, 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 do you suppose Vincent is actually in that class as well to the effect of you know there's only so much marvel studios can keep do to keep guys of of this stature that sort of thing under control i um, mean well hell you on the last show we were just talking about bill murray going oh yeah i'm in a marvel movie so maybe you, this is one of those middle distance non-denial denials or a, a non-admittance admittance what, what do you think yeah, I I have no idea.
1: I hope I hope he is. If he's in it, I would just be thrilled because he was great. So
0: okay, fingers crossed. All right. So anyway, uh, while I was out of town again during the D- Disney Dish Live event, you were on top of all this uh, Disney Plus Day stuff, and so God, there was a tidal wave of it. You know, there was everything from new limited series to to one time specials. I, I guess we're getting a. A werewolf by night next October, you know, is kind of a special Halloween treat. We also got a lot of talk about new animated stuff, and in fact, I, I think on just on the last show we were talking about how determined Kevin Feige was to keep Peter Parker in high school. So this new animated series, Spider-Man: Freshman Year, sounds like that's exactly the, the wheelhouse. Is we're going to get to see Peter Parker trying to juggle being a superhero and doing high school. I also think that that's uh, Marvel trying to keep some hand of control
1: over the image of Spider-Man versus, you know, I mean, Sony's, after this movie is done, Sony gets to do whatever they wish with Spider-Man and they've got all the (laughs) villains set up with their solo movies, so... If Sony ends up taking Spider-Man to go do whatever they choose in the future, this is a way that Marvel can kind of, in animated form, they've got the rights to Spider-Man. So they can still kind of control how the character is perceived and kind of keep them quasi in the MCU via cartoon and go, well, here's the prequel cartoon about how he was and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've got one full school year, so uh, you better make it good because what if, if you go to sophomore year, that's apparently when he was joining Civil War. Interesting point. Okay. Yeah, so are they gonna go day by day? Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, you know, third day of school. <laughs> well, uh, Cause if they if they just jump and do one season where he he you know starts school and then by the end of the season he graduates, then we're at mm-hmm. civil war and now you gotta come up with something else.
0: So I kinda of have a feeling they're gonna draw this sucker out. It's interesting you, you talk about chronology that way because the very next thing I want to talk about is this X-Men ninety seven, which comes to Disney Plus in 2023, which they are heralding as a direct continuation of the X-Men, the animated series from 1992. What do you make of this? Did you watch the show when it was originally on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I believe I was doing mornings at the time, and I was able, by the time I would get out of work, I was, like, getting home at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and cartoons would start coming on. And Mm -hmm. it was animated Batman Mm
0: -hmm. followed
1: by X-Men, Mm -hmm. And uh, you couldn't make a a better smorgasbord for a young nerd at that Mm -hmm. point in history. So, yeah, I watched them both. And uh, I got to tell you that Nostalgia Mm -hmm. is a very strong-armed salesperson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most people stop finding new music to listen to when you're about 35 years old. But you go back 20 years And whatever 20 years ago was, that's like, oh, that's my jam. And that's when you turn up the knob because that was when you're in high school. That was when you're out partying. That was when you're getting into college and doing all the, you know, growing up, I'm an adult now. It's that transition from I'm still a kid to I'm now an adult. And that music is from about 20 years ago. So 97, it's about 25 years ago. But still, it's right at that that age range where someone like me, has got it's got a dopamine release like I start hearing the Da-na-na-na-na-na. and all of a sudden I'm like x-men what where huh and then I start getting all happy and giddy <laughs> you know like a dog that you just got home from work and the dog's already humping your leg like where were you where were you pal what was going on did you sniff anybody I'm sniffing you to see who you talked to today what's going on
0: yeah it's so funny you you say the thing about music cuz have, have you been paying attention to this new Bruno Mars Anderson .Paak thing the the an evening with Silk Sonic they're doing the 70s 80s style almost like the Commodores or something it's got that, that that sort of but again it's so reminiscent of you know when i i was high school college that sort of period of music mm-hmm. and they they've done an amazing job Of of capturing the feel and the sound, and I just you know I when you were talking about that where you you know it's like whatever music you had your young adult period too that's what you're you're fond of and it was just sort of like for lack of a better term this is new old stuff Mm -hmm. and and in a weird sort of way that's what they're also trying to do with this X Men ninety seven because it's like they're bringing back upwards of ten members. Of the, the original vocal cast, the woman who did Roku, by the way, like, again, this is Lenore Zahn who then went on to become a member of parliament in the Canadian house of commons.
1: So she's got to do like a vote or something. And they, excuse me, I've got to go voice a superhero now that I've done cast my vote for parliament.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I love this, but they're bringing back the guy who did Wolverine. They're bringing the guy back who did beast and nightcrawler, uh, Mr. Sinister. Likewise, the, the gentleman who wrote, uh, the original, uh, X-Men, the animated series, uh, excuse me, the couple, uh, Eric and Julia Lulwand, uh, as well as the show's director, uh, Larry Houston, they're consulting on the show. And the plan here is, I guess there were 76 episodes produced of the original, uh, X-Men animated series, but they're just supposedly picked right up where they they left off. And you can watch those 76 episodes on Disney plus right now. And speaking of continuations, and I, I have to tell you, given my, my my I I've talked about it in the show, not a big fan of zombies, but really enjoyed episode five of season one of Marvel What If, the What If Zombies episode. So mm-hmm. that's supposed to be a now a jumping off point for a brand new animated series, Marvel Zombies. It's gonna draw inspiration from the Marvel Zombies comic book series. There was a five-issue run from December 5th through April of 2006, and those were written by Robert Kirkman of The Walking Dead theme. And the logline for the show is, uh, Marvel Zombies, the animated series, reimagines the Marvel Universe as a new generation of heroes battles against an ever-growing zombie scourge. Also worth noting here that it's going to be directed by Brian Andrews, who directed season one of Marvel's What If? And the head writer on this is going to be Zeb Wells, who I've really enjoyed for a long time. He Did you ever see Super Mansion? Uh, it was a stop motion show that was done for Crackle by the stupid buddies guys. No, I did not. It was an equal opportunity offender. It set up DC and Marvel with equal amount of venom and glee. I mean, it was just a, a really, really funny show. Well written, definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. But, um, but yeah, I, I guess again, it's important to to sort of stress here that the the Marvel What If episode about zombies, it's not necessarily continuing that story. It's more to the effect of will be done in this style. Though, as I understand it, they are looking for a, a different sort of animated look for this show. And now I I guess we we should launch into talking about the live action shows that also got talked up. Did you have a favorite out of the pile or? Yeah, right now
1: I'm all about Moon Knight. I am Mm -hmm. a huge fan of everything that Oscar Isaac does. I did Mm -hmm. give him a five minute standing ovation for making a left hand turn in rush hour traffic. I wrote a book about it. It's going to be out on Amazon. So keep an eye out for that. But besides all that, uh, I can't wait to see what he does with Moon Knight. I only speculate uh, that maybe Oscar Isaac's beard will get into a knife fight with Drew Taylor's beard. Uh, oddly, Drew does not have a SAG card, but his beard does. It's really, really odd how that works. But uh, yeah, I'm super excited for Moon Knight. I also am very, very high on Miss Marvel. I just love diversity being added into... The, uh, the MCU, just in the same way that Shang-Chi floored me with a totally new, fresh, vibrant experience that I wasn't prepared for. I'm looking for that same thing from Miss Marvel. Uh, I want to be just immersed in, in a culture that isn't mine and see what it's all about and uh, experience something new that I don't get on television very often. So very, very much looking forward to that as well. Uh, Ironheart also is in that pile of of adding diversity to the stew, and mm-hmm. thumbs up for that, which should lead to armor wars eventually.
0: Yeah. So. Now with armor wars, that's Don Cheadle, who's playing Rhodey yet again, who made his uh, limited series debut. You, you may remember it was it the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier where. He's basically, Rhodey's talking with Sam about, you really think it was a good thing to give up the shield? Mm. So he's already, you know, been in that space. If we look at Moon Knight, as well as Ms. Marvel, these shows are just, you know, six episodes each. Though, have you been hearing about Mahashalur Ali's version of Blade? I mean, I know we've heard him, you know, in that post credit scene um, right. for, uh for Eternals, uh, you know, and, and I think it's uh, Chloe Zhao. All you know, flattered, admitted, yeah, that's him, and he's supposed to be Blade in that scene. Mm-hmm. But uh, supposedly, also in the final episode of the first season of Moon Knight, there's a lot of talk about him possibly showing up. Oh, good. These
1: series are good places for introducing other characters. I think that you know, I, I, I kind of sometimes have problems where in a film. Mm -hmm. the first movie of a hero is all about the origin of the hero. Mm -hmm. And then all of the sequels are the origins of the villains that the hero is going to fight. And that seems to be a trend that, that needs to be broken. And so I think that introducing some of these villains in a series where they have more time to breathe and be a little bit more ambiguous as, Mm -hmm. as opposed to I'm the bad guy, evil laugh, evil laugh here's my plan to take over the world. And the thing with Shang-Chi and Wen Wu, he was not there to take over the world. He was there to get his wife back. He was very sympathetic. He wanted his family together. It was very hard to not, to, it's usually you just see a, a bad guy and his mustache twirling, wants to take over the world, you know, wipe out all the population for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. This guy just wanted his family and his wife. So, I mean, he he was, yeah, a very sympathetic character. So, to introduce uh, uh, Blade and Mahershala Ali in a series... Uh, Not that he was a bad guy, but just the the fact that you're know you getting a taste of a character that's going to be in cinematic form, and why not dispense with all of that and and let it happen somewhere
0: else? And then when you get to the movie, you can actually hit the ground running because you already know the character. Uh uh Makes sense. But again, what I'm intrigued with with Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel, six episodes, where She-Hulk has 10. Now, mind you, they do describe that show differently. You know, that, that it, it's, it's more of a legal dramedy. Hmm. And, and I don't know, by the way, if you were following the controversy about the, there's an image of Professor Hulk in the, uh, his gamma lab right. uh, running tests on Jennifer Walters. And, and at that point, evidently, a lot of people picked up on the fact that Hulk Neither of Professor Hulk's arms were withered or battle damaged or that sort of thing. So it's the effect of, is the setup for this story done during the blip? Oh, okay. I like to think of observant, and it's like, I didn't pick up on that. But but Marvel fans everywhere, it's like, ooh, look at his arm. You know, that means this happened during the blip. Or it just means
1: that, you know, he is a very smart scientist, and he maybe was able to fix himself in his
0: gamma lab. But. If that, and again, I apologize. We're about Ring to nerd no, out here. Hear
1: Let's hear it. Yeah.
0: Well, no, no, no. If you think about the post-credit scene in Shang-Chi, yeah. when you see Bruce Banner, who's, again, not he's, Professor I Hulk. The,
1: I know he's got his arm in a sling, but there we you know. Know, it's, it's so. the exact same thing where we make the jump from Thor Ragnarok. No, it was Infinity War to then... Uh, Endgame where he becomes Professor Hulk, and it was just that that boom cut, yeah, so I did this, and backstory, backstory, and now I'm this way. Crazy, right? Could be the same thing when we get to She-Hulk. He's like, so let me tell you a quick story. I fixed my arm. All right, okay. moving on. <laughs>
0: okay. All right, well, speaking of which, again, another thing that the fan community kind of lost its mind about was uh, the image of uh, Nick Fury used to sell marvel secret invasion
1: it looks like he's been sitting on a mountain writing a
0: manifesto what happened there (laughs) i don't know but but he also grew back an eye so it's like okay this is something I enjoy about the Marvel community that, that I, I'm one of these guys, I got one foot in Disney, one foot in Marvel and don't know nearly as deep as you do. So, but it's one of these, but again, I pay attention to what they're pointing at, what they're excited about. And it was like, and I patched Nick Fury who, yes, you're right. Looks like, you know, he's been away. I think he's, his beard wants to get into a three
1: person cage match with Drew's beard and Oscar Isaac's beard. And uh, the winner takes the purse.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, no, no, that's uh, going to love all these candidates, So, um, okay. And we have yet to talk about, uh, Agatha house of Harkness. And I, I know you're on you know, shows past, you weren't necessarily all that enthusiastic about this idea. Yeah. I'll um, say bah humbug. I, I would okay. rather have a, a different character take that
1: slot. And I love the actress, uh, I liked I like the character. There's not mm-hmm. a reason for me to not want this show mm-hmm. other than my hunger for other material. I wasn't mm-hmm. I was never expecting an Agatha Harkness and now this does show. Marvel has got their finger on the pulse of what the audience is talking about. Mm-hmm. Agatha was a huge huge hit in one division. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Marvel what if zombie episode and boom, they had a character in the park, the Captain America zombie that Mm -hmm. seemed to do well. Next thing you know, they're green lighting a whole animated series of zombies. So they are releasing things on their platform and they are seeing that if they get mega numbers that day, if Mm -hmm. Twitter is nothing but trending cap zombie Well, guess what's coming, folks? A Cap Zombie thing. If it's Mm -hmm. a character, if it's an animated series or whatever, they want to put great content out and they analyze this stuff. They focus group. They figure out what's best for right now. And can we wait on this or do we have to strike while the iron's hot? They're making a lot of really quick and smart decisions about what they're putting into the pipeline. And the Agatha one where it was a hit, and everyone said, this is great. This is the one where I fear that maybe we don't really need that story. Maybe, you know, I mean, I don't know what story they're going to tell, but we already got her backstory, and -hmm. it seemed like we got her conclusion. So I really don't know, are we getting a middle portion of her life? Are we getting something that happened after WandaVision? And honestly, I don't care. I would rather get to uh, Ironheart or Armor Wars or She-Hulk or anything else that was promised much earlier that I already had an appetite for.
0: Got it. I understand. Is this the show where the. In fact, I, I want to say it's uh, the Wandavision folks who are riding hurt on this one. Mm-hmm. And given how much I, I enjoyed Wandavision, it's like, okay, this one I'm looking forward to. And at the same time, you know, if we're going to talk about online speculation about the, you know, like for example, Ironheart, you know, the, the fans of the comic book are like, you know, there's a Tony Stark AI. That she constantly consults and is one of these things where, you know, can, should we hope that maybe Robert Downey Jr. in much the same way that supposedly uh, Chris Evans, had, you know, has signed some sort of deal to come back due to a couple of things. I don't think, though, that Mr. Downey is coming back. I think the AIs should just be random celebrities and you kind
1: of have to guess who is who is that voice? Who is that? You know, mm-hmm. and and let him have some fun with it. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. He did his part. He started with mm-hmm. Iron Man one. He launched the MCU. Mm-hmm. He saved the MCU. Let the soul rest. He's earned. <laughs> he's earned his rest and his paycheck. He's got other uh, work. I'm sure he would much rather do that is new and interesting and exciting
0: to him instead of coming in to voice some some old dead guy. All right. And that's probably a solid take on it. And speaking of, of getting Aaron's take when we get back, we're going to hear what Aaron has to say about the the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer that we have been waiting for low these many weeks and months that finally showed up just yesterday. So, it did the, what? It oh, did, I got to go watch it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll give Aaron a chance to watch it and be right back. Before we get your opinion on the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, uh, Aaron, uh, I have a question from someone who uh, uh, attended this past weekend's Disney Tish Live event. I I apologize. I'm blanking this gentleman's name right now, and I apologize to him, but this is what he basically asked me. Why does Aaron... Seemed to dislike Sony. He went after the Mobius trailer. He he trashed Venom. Let there be carnage. Which you hadn't seen that movie, right? Or, or haven't seen it yet? Not Let There Be Carnage. I
1: won't. I won't donate any money to that cause for fear mm-hmm. that someone will think that it's my vote that they should do more of them. Mm-hmm. So I withhold my money. I wait until uh, I have a friend that that gets a copy of it, and then I'll go watch it over at their house for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have to spend any money on it. I've got two reasons why I don't like Sony. First is they canceled the mini disc. And I got to tell you, as an audio producer for many years, the fact that you could write and record uh, Mm -hmm. CD quality audio on a little tiny box that was about six inches by four inches Mm -hmm. was such a step forward. And I have like days and days and days worth of audio on mini disc and uh then they canceled the mini support for the mini disc so (laughs) it was i invested all of my money into this is the future i will Mm -hmm. support this until my dying breath and then five or six years later they're like yeah we're done with that anyway beyond that for for spider-man specifically everyone knows that spider-man is my what i grew up reading it's how i learned how to read it's i'm Mm -hmm. Every t-shirt I own has got an image of Spider-Man or one of Spidey's villains on it. I got a life-size Spider-Man downstairs. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker's my dude. There's a game going on right now, and it's the MCU and what Sony wants. And what mm-hmm. Sony wants is to make a buck, and that's about it, because that's their, that's their job. Fair mm-hmm. play. The MCU has got a person, Kevin Feige, who's got a plan. And it's got a, all these woven threads that are all make this beautiful tapestry that we know and love today. And Sony's like, oh, but we got Venom and uh, we're going to do this and we've got uh, Mobius and we're going to do that. And uh, they just get so excited about all the toys they've got and they just can't wait. To, and, and someone else is playing by a completely different set of rules. And I so have wanted that Spider-Man to be perfectly integrated into the MCU without any issues. And it seems like there is this tug of war and it's only over money. And that's always what these stupid things end up becoming about, is uh, we just want more money. We just want more money. The reason that Andrew Garfield didn't get a third is because, yes, it made more than the budget, but not enough more. Because we just want more money. It's always about more money. And so everyone has said when this third home, whatever movie for Spider-Man, it ends the home trilogy, uh-huh. and that there'll be a whole different Spider-Man thing happening. And they've perfectly set the stage for Venom to jump in there somehow, and for Mobius to jump in there somehow. And they've Sony has worked so hard to show look at what we're going to do. We're going to bring all of this together. And I'm like, yeah, but when you piss off Marvel and you're not allowed back in their universe and the door is shut forever, then what? Because I was really enjoying him playing in that universe. I like when he gets to play with, you know, Iceman and Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and all these other characters. Like, there's so many X-Men that he hasn't been. He's been always at odds with Wolverine. He's had a couple confrontations with the Hulk, and we haven't had to have those moments yet. So, if Sony says I just want to play and have it my way, the door to the MCU is shut forever, unless a billion-dollar deal is is made, and that's where it stuff just gets stupid because of money so yes i'm really down on sony and just about everything they do and i you know i wanted venom to be cool i watched the first one and it was just too stupid i i could not hit myself in a brick wrapped in a lemon hard enough for the Pangalactic galactic gargle
0: blaster to take effect love a good hitchhiker's reference thank you um, yeah, thank you my problem is that i mean i i get what you're saying and and yes it is it's always unfortunate When you are dealing with giant corporations that have their own corporate agendas, you know, in fact, just this past weekend, you know, talking with folks at the live event about the whole, you know, Universal has the theme park rights to the Marvel characters and, you know, how unfortunate it is that they can't be in the Disney parks in Florida. And Mm -hmm. it's just. But it is what it is. I mean, this is you know that that you know from Comcast's point of view, it's like we own the set of characters that Disney keeps producing hit films about, and so it's like, and you know, and think about it, how gleeful are the Universal executives right now? over the news of X-Men 97, you know, because th- th- really, if you look at the X-Men, they have in the park. Yeah, those costumes are
1: from the 90s, and there you go! And they're right? bringing them back in vogue, so no, to speak.
0: Th- th- that's it exactly. So it's like, you know, if you were somebody at Comcast with you, all right, Disney, you can have them back now. It's like, no, if anything, it's like, oh, we're, we're gonna, gonna buy hold- another 10 years on that deal. Yeah, let it ride. No, that's it exactly. And based on the trailer i just saw for no way home i'm looking forward to this movie that much more i mean and in fact a lot of that really is on the back of benedict cumberbatch's work as dr strange in this thing and likewise alfred molina you know mm-hmm. who i'm really kind of intrigued as to what they seem to be doing with the sinister sick and six in this film well we're only at five so far well, okay. Now, a little bit of a spoiler here, because you mentioned Venom and Eddie Brock. Um, oh my God! What I have been told, and again, I'm. I'm this is a spoiler, folks. If you want to jump ahead a minute or so and go into No Way Home, clean, you can do that. But supposedly, when the this story ends, somehow we've we've had a reset. And we have J.K. Simmons back as um. A, why am I blanking? His name? J. Jonah Jameson? J. J. Jonah Jameson, and he's back at the bugle, and he's you know he's back yelling at people, in the process of you know, handing Parker you know an assignment. He turns and goes, oh by the way, I'd like you to meet you know Eddie Brock. So at the end, you'll get to see uh, the Eddie Brock that we've met from the Venom movies. And basically, you you have your sinister sticks in this film, um, but maybe not no. all together no, no. at that moment. Nope, you
1: know. nope, nope. Ain't buying it, ain't having it because they didn't fight together. It shows up as a, hey, we've added a sixth villain after the other five have been defeated. Is not the sinister six. I will right. do the old monkey poo in my hand, fling at the screen, ee, 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 out the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. Ain't happening. We'll not have it. No, thank you, sir.
0: No. Okay. Well, again, I, I I think I come at this from my, I, I like to be entertained.
1: Sure. No, I'll, I'll tell you that the trailer looked great. I'm very, yeah. very excited for what mm. I saw in the trailer. Yeah. but it, I'm I'm only counting five villains so far, and if they okay. add a sixth one at the end, that does not make a Sinister Six movie because they all have to be fighting at the same time for that to count as a Sinister Six. Just having five get defeated and throwing in the sixth at the end is uh, the the Furious Five. Too, too, one too few, too furious.
0: Right. And uh, Vin that. Diesel can that.
1: do something. So the thing, there's a there's a number of things about this trailer that I would like mm-hmm. to discuss. But one of them mm-hmm. is that Doctor Strange says that these all all these characters died at the hands of Spider-Man, and that's not necessarily true. Sandman was mm-hmm. let go at the end of Raimi's third film. Peter Parker went up to him and was like, "You got a daughter, and et cetera, et cetera. Go be with her." and he turned to sand and flew away. Mm-hmm. so he never got killed off at the end of that movie. So something is not true necessarily mm-hmm. in what is being said now, the fact that and this is where i'm I'm eating my words here mm-hmm. of what I criticized earlier is how Sony wants to do one thing and Marvel wants to do a thing. Mm -hmm. The story that Peter learns that Spider-Man is responsible for all of these deaths and he wants Mm -hmm. to be able to save them. This Mm -hmm. is a huge Peter Parker character defining moment. That is who Mm -hmm. that character is in the nutshell is he never wants anyone to die or to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I really commend Marvel and Sony for finding the essence of this character and letting that shine through in the flash of the five villains and the multiverse and all the other stuff that was packed into this trailer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I really, really do want to say that in this moment, they are showing
0: that they still understand the character. And I'm glad that that's there. I I totally agree. I also, but for me, again, I love the hints here with Alfred Molina, you know, the notion of, you know, the, the Doc Ock coming up the, the cross Bronx expressway, you know, just before the George Washington bridge, you know, and he's battling there with the green goblin and he dis, he masks Peter. And it's like, you're not Peter Parker. Cause it's like, you're not my Peter Parker. Right. And the, the scene later in the trailer where somehow they've managed to trap Doc Ock in the Sanctum Sanctorum, they, they, he's being held for, uh, in some way. And, you know, there's a line there, you, you know, he, that, that Doc Ock is talking to Peter. He's just, you're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. Mm-hmm. The, the the line that comes after that where Electro talks about, you're not taking this away from me. The way I interpret that is these, you know, members of the stick actually I'd somehow figure out what's going on. That they have somehow been brought back from the dead. You know, And in this particular universe, the stakes are so much higher. It's not just a question of, I'm trying to defeat Peter Parker. It's like, I'm trying to stay alive. And also, what's interesting, the bookend for this trailer, where it starts off with that, an image of the the really beaten up Peter Parker, who says, this is all my fault. I can't save everyone. Mm-hmm. And then you get the MJ doing the Gwen Stacy fall. Yeah, I love the structure of this. It looks crazy ambitious, and 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 yes, I know we have a trailer that doesn't have Toby Maguire in it, that doesn't have uh, Andrew Garfield in it, and I I think this is you know you and I have talked about on previous shows about how supposedly Disney and Sony have been fighting back and forth about how to market this movie. Just today, I was reading about you know I guess it's like that moment remember the end game trailer where they were talking about who they'd erased out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that supposedly that there's that shot on, that's an, on the, the statue of Liberty that now for some reason has Captain America's shield. And you see what the lizard, the Sandman, uh, Electro, and you see one Spider-Man jumping at them. That
1: yeah, if if you look really closely, like Electro is very very high, and mm-hmm. there's he should be facing off against someone there because mm-hmm. he's way too high for the Spider-Man that's in the center of the screen. And then the lizard is also jumping, and he is way too low. He will never make contact with yep. the Spider-Man that's in the center of the screen. And mm-hmm. then the Sandman starts throwing a giant punch, will which will in fact hit. The the Spider-Man in the center of the screen, but mm-hmm. nothing else. And it's exactly like in the Civil War trailer, they had no Spider-Man in the, the two teams charging one another. And That's in the, right. Yeah, in the Infinity War trailer, we got a Hulk leading mm-hmm. a charge instead of a Banner and a Hulk Buster leading the mm-hmm. charge. So, yeah, Marvel has been deceptive with their trailers, and for good reason. I, I would rather yeah. have subtle moments changed to hide a surprise that we'll get later on. It's like... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's almost like getting a peek at your presents for Christmas. You don't want to really know what you got. You just kind of want a tease of what you got to build mm-hmm. up the anticipation. So, I, it, while I don't feel that we need three Spider Men, I am making peace with the fact that we may indeed have three Spider Man, and I'm I'm okay with that as long as they do it very well. And so far, what I'm seeing from this trailer looks really great. Like you mentioned, MJ falling from the mm-hmm. scaffolding. Um, there are so many implications. Obviously, the Gwen Stacy thing, but also uh, Mysterio in the last movie gave Peter a nightmare vision, a hallucination of MJ mm-hmm. falling, and then Pete goes to dive to save her and ends up doing a headplant in some dirt because he wasn't mm-hmm. that far off the ground. So yeah, to have that called back. And and to be presented in this trailer now, some people are speculating on Twitter that if another Spider-Man shows up, it would be Andrew Garfield would be the perfect one to save MJ oh. to redeem himself for for failing to save Gwen. And I got to say that moved my heartstrings a little bit. The the notion of him saving her and that's a great idea. Yeah, right yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, there there could be some really powerful moments if uh-huh. they, if they do the storytelling and then it looks like they, they're doing a great job with storytelling. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like I mentioned earlier with just getting the the character of Peter, the essence of him. Now- no, 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 no. I, I think that's a great insight on your part, but what are the point? The, one of the things I, I also loved about what they seem to be teeing up here is the notion of Peter going to Dr. Strange. He, Peter, interrupting doctor strange while he's doing the spell which is sets all this stuff in motion and then you know it kind of a, if we go back to the the civil war the civil war the comic book series mm-hmm. where you know the notion of having two heroes that were previously on the same side going against one another the the fight scenes that we've seen suggested between peter parker and doctor strange i mean very much you know straight out of the comics and never mind that that the last line of the trailer, you know, they're coming, they're starting to come through and I can't stop them. That to me just seems to be teeing up what we know of the story for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So um, it's kind of like,
1: Back in the 80s or early 90s, when Hulk Hogan became a bad guy, it was just so he could fight all the good guys, and you could be like, Mm -hmm. Oh my god, it's Hulk Hogan going against Macho Man Randy Savage. What is happening? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you get to, there's nothing better than having your two good guys get into a disagreement and fighting one another. I mean, heck, Civil War was a a bang up, wonderful movie simply because Mm -hmm. it was Cap versus Stark, and the bad guy never had to throw a punch in that. He just had to, you know, set up the, the chessboard, stand back, and let the people fall where they may, and that was a wonderful, you know, brains over muscle type of maneuver for that movie. But here in this one, I also want to say that there's there's two things I noticed. First, mm-hmm. the electro design with the electricity around the head, which mm-hmm. harkened back to his comic book design. There you go. Yep. that mm-hmm. that is one of those things that I was wanting. From MCU versions of certain characters, Mm -hmm. and that was why I was almost disappointed. I mean, I love Alfred Molina; Spider-Man Two is one of my favorite movies of all time. Great film, yeah. But but I didn't need to have him back specifically for a Doc Ock. I was ready for like a Jared Harris. I think would be an awesome Doctor Octopus.
0: No doubt, no doubt. But at the same time, I loved that his his take on you're not Peter Parker. Or for that matter, again, that line, you know, the fact you're flying off the darkness to fight ghosts. It's this sort of melancholy quality. I mean, but there was, that's the thing. Alfred Molina's take in that Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2. I love his redemption in that film. So this is... Which you know, almost
1: makes you think, how can he be a villain? Because he 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 made the full circle. He went from being Peter's mentor to his enemy, back to saving the day and becoming the, the hero in his own right. Mm-hmm. So to have him show up to be all mustache-twirling villain doesn't seem right. He's got to have... I mean, it's got to be more than just staying alive. He's already sacri- sacrificed himself once to save mm-hmm. humanity on his Planet, he should be helping Peter. Uh, You know, it's same for Sandman. Sandman was let go by Peter because they had some sort of understanding about taking care of family. They shouldn't be nemesis in this version. So, I mean, there's there's got to be some information that's still missing that will be
0: revealed when we get to the the full movie. I have heard some things about Sandman's arc that actually bears out what you're talking about. Okay. Folks were pointing out. There's a quick shot of Doc Ock with his, his tentacles sort of forming around him. Where if you're paying attention, you can actually, you know, because it's, you know, it's red. blue and red. Yes, yeah. it's 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 the nanotech from the Stark version of the Spider-Man suit. So and they, the head they, changes I, from being pyramid shaped to a more
1: square shape. And I was yeah. like, it looks like he's adapting some Stark tech there. And I want to see what's what's up with that. Yeah, now, yeah. so there was a series um, not too ter- terribly long ago in the comic mm-hmm. books called Superior Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I remember where, talking about these. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dr. Octopus ends up taking over Spider-Man's soul. Like, he, I guess, you know, f- do a brain swap will be the mm-hmm. quickest way of explaining this mm-hmm. where, yeah, he, he puts his brain in Peter and says, I can be a better Spider-Man than you. Mm-hmm. And he ends up trying to save everybody and realizes how hard it is to be the hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder if we could ever get a glimpse of that, just in the same way that um, we got a glimpse of zombies in Far From Home with the Mysterio mm-hmm. illusion of, of true, yeah. yeah. So, mm. like you know, we we don't need to have the full story arc. We can just get that glimpse of a moment and go, "Oh, that's the nod." Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's there's really a lot in this trailer that I was very very excited for. Uh, A lot of those little details about, you know, the the lizard jumping and and electro high and and lizard low and Sandman Mm -hmm. in the middle. And I'm like, that looks like there needs to be two other Spider-Man in that picture for that thing to make sense. So, uh, yeah, I have a strong feeling we will be getting our three Spider-Man. I hope it turns out all for the best. And, uh, man, I really don't want to see a Venom at the tail end of the credits, but whatever, I, I guess, you know, we'll see what happens. Sony's going to have their way, you know.
0: And again, we were recording this on November 17th, Spider-Man, you know, No Way Home debuts on December 17th. Though I want to say, uh, tickets go on sale next week or thereabouts. So very, very, very much looking forward to this. But again, a reminder, folks, that that you know while you're, you're looking for Marvel-related stuff to do, before that, Hit Monkey drop today on Hulu, ten episodes there, and then uh, next week, November twenty fourth, we will have the first two episodes of Hawkeye, and uh, you know, Aaron, I'm thinking we're probably going to have to record Wednesday night then too, so that we can check those two out and see where that show's going to go. So, yep, yep. Um, but in the meantime, if if you folks are looking for Entertaining stuff to do online, following <laughs> Aaron on, on, online, it, it is always entertaining. I I, I especially enjoyed your, your gift of the magi illusion this week. <laughs> I don't know how many people would get that.
1: I'm glad that you're able to, to pick up
0: on uh, that one. You know, explaining, you know, why Len has long hair, you know, just a, I hope that Laurel can get that pocket watch back. <laughs> um, and Aaron, how can they find you on, on social media to, to get these? These great little tidbits.
1: Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt. And uh, over on Instagram as well, by the way, check out my podcast, Light the Fuse, covers
0: a whole bunch of stuff you love. I'm only slightly confused at this point. Okay, um, all right. If you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend the show you just listened to, that would be uh, very helpful. Likewise, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, do you want to give them the real how they can chase you down, or you just want them to go? I get paranoid when people start following me. I'm like, what are you doing?
1: Right. Why are you following me? What are you doing back there? Step in front of me, I'm gonna follow you. I get, it gets really awkward in the grocery store when that happens. I got a new follower on Twitter, like, get away, get away. It's a little too close. Six feet, oh.
0: six feet of distance. Wear there a mask. There you go. There you go. It wasn't a lot of that going on at Disney, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. Well, you, you can find us over Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And we look forward to seeing you folks there. And we hope that uh, Aaron and I hope that you will come back next uh, next week where hopefully we will get to talk about uh, Hawkeye, which there was another trailer of for that that came out that looked really, really good. And, and you know, the, the, this one particularly threw a spotlight on the Kate Bishop character, and she's very enthusiastic about, you know, trick arrows. So wait until she gets the Steve Martin arrow that goes through the head. It's a <laughs> wonderful
1: gag. I love that one. I'm sure Hawkeye's got that in its quiver somewhere. He's like, no, no, I use that at Christmas parties. It's a hoot.
0: She's like Steve Martin, who? <laughs> oh, I don't that note, but thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back soon.